You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Today we are going through prospects 71 through 80. I will try my best to go as quickly as possible, quicker than yesterday, so that we can actually talk about something else. But I am making this priority right now. We have to get through some prospects because the draft is coming up very rapidly. It is sneaking up on me like freaking crazy. I kind of wish we had started this earlier. I'd love to be able to get through like 300 prospects or something. But that's all right. Today on the docket, Javon Dexter, Luke Whipler, Sidney Brown, Jordan Battle, Andre Carter, Ty J. Spears, Marvin Mims, Nate Dell, Zach Harrison, and Jamie Robinson. Super excited to check these guys out. We should probably just call this series Help Pack Daddy Find Those Guys That He Really Likes, right? Like, I'll give you guys some insights on PFF and The Beast, and then you have to um, indulge me as I uh, go through and try to find those guys that I really like. We found quite a few, though, man. I've got some my guys, and I've been upset that it's taken me so long. I just had to get out of the first round. <laughs> just get out of the first round and uh, get to some of these, I don't even want to say third, because we're barely even in the third round yet. But yeah, get get clean out of that first round, and you'll find some guys. But all right, let's get started right out of the gate. But Javon Dexter is actually quite high on his defensive tackle list. He has him at number five. So we've gone over three, I think, additional tackles already. Uh, Benton, Tommy, and Siaki Ika. He has Javon Dexter ahead of uh, all of them. In fact, he is the first defensive tackle that he has that is solidly second round. So Mozzie Smith, Kalijah Kansi, he has first and second round. Javon Dexter, second. But Javon Dexter, defensive tackle out of Florida, six foot five and a half, 310 pounds out of Lake Wales, Florida. He is 21.5 years old. One of four kids uh, started playing at age five, like a lot of these guys. Focused on basketball, like a lot of these guys. Five-star recruit, Dexter was the number three defensive tackle in the 2022 recruiting class, one spot ahead of Jalen Carter. Wait a minute. (laughs) Number one recruit in Florida? Come on now. Is this guy flying up the boards at all? Anybody been starting to hear Javon Dexter's name a little bit? I'm just asking. Because if this guy comes into the first round starting next week, or this week, or whatever, I'm just saying, keep your eyes open. Giving me some of those Rashawn Gary vibes, you know. Five-star recruit, elite this, that, or the other. 
31 vert, 9-2 broad jump, uh, 4-7 short shuttle at his pro day, and then 7-5-3 cone at the combine was his best, 22 bench press reps. Overall, Dexter must develop a more disciplined approach to turn the flashes into more consistent play. But he is an agile, coordinated big man who is yet to play his best football. He is a traits-based projection who can play up and down the line, which will uh, interest both even and odd fronts. Second round grade number 55 overall. PFF, certainly not a very big fan of his um, three years at Florida. 56th grade, then 72, and then back down to a 65. He had a 7, this is 2022, 70 run defense, 54 tackling, 55 pass rush. He only had 25 pressures on 347 attempts and two sacks. He had one good game all year against Kentucky, a 79.9 grade in which he had three pressures, no sacks. Um, But every other, oh, I'm sorry, he had one more good game. South Carolina, 70.8, kind of blended in there. Um, Every other game was 60s and 50s, his worst being Florida State, 51.8 grade. But as I've said, Javon Dex, you know, PFF largely grades consistency. And so when right out of the gate they're saying he's an inconsistent player, flashes and then bad, 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 good flash, bad, 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 it's going to end up being kind of a bad grade. And what do you know? They got his Kentucky game, so why not watch him at his best? So, um, yeah, interesting player for sure. I'm trying to decide if I'm indifferent or less than indifferent or possibly even more than, uh, like him more than being indifferent. He's weird because the best way I can describe him is laid back. Sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. The bad is relatively obvious. First of all, he is very slow off the snap, which annoys me. He's always the last one to move after the ball is snapped. Secondly, there are times when he feels like it's just not happening and he basically just gives up. If the play, even if it's a passing play, just not, you know, doesn't feel like he's getting in there, he just kind of hangs back. That's annoying. Never seems to have that sort of, like, desire to sprint at any point in the game like oh dang i gotta go get him but the the good casual would be kind of two different examples one is he's actually extremely strong and he has really incredible balance there was one play it reminded me of uh weeble you know weebles wobble but they don't fall down a lot of times when these guys when you get them you know their their entire body turned and their head turned or whatever their their body moves with them this guy from kentucky turned his entire body and had his head basically on the ground his feet never moved And he was able to pull out of that, stand straight up, and still end up getting to the guy and making a tackle. Pushing him and moving him seem to be two different things with Javon Dexter. It's really weird. But his power is also remarkable. There are times when, I mean, he he just seems like, it seems like football is too easy for him and he gets bored. These guys, these guards will fire off the line and they're doing everything they can to push him and he'll just stand there. Again, immovable. Gets his hand on the guy, but he never even makes eye contact. He never looks at him. He's just glancing over his shoulder trying to figure out what's going on over there. Stands completely still, you know, the guard's legs are kicking and wailing. He just stands there, no big deal. Now, again, he's not doing what maybe you'd want him to do, but you see that power, and it's like, that's kind of crazy. And then, and it's funny because it reminds me of, I had this roommate in college, Ben. Ben is a very large, strong human being. Um, Without delving too much into his details, he spent a good amount of time uh, in prison, where I believe he gathered some of that strength. And uh, another little tidbit, he actually hid... All right, let me tell you the story real quick. I may have told this already. Going to the gym with my buddy Baxter. And my roommate, Ben, had like some multivitamins. So for whatever reason, I took like the multivitamin. I don't know why. Just whatever, sitting around, just take it. Kind of my uh, attitude with alcohol also. But I looked at it and said, take three of these multivitamins. All right, I pop three. I go to the gym 
and I start itching and I start getting hot. And him and I are just like on the, on like bikes or something warming up before we go work out. I think I don't really remember. And I look at him like, dude, I'm getting like red blotches. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's crazy. Then it kept getting worse. My whole body was turning red. And my dear friend Baxter basically the whole time just telling me to quit being a sissy and man up. But I'm like, no, <laughs> we got to go home. Like something's wrong. So I, I, I talked to my roommate. I'm like, hey, man, um, I'm kind of breaking out here. And it might have something to do with the fact that I took three of your multivitamins. He freaked out. Said, don't ever do that. Turns out it was steroids. So anyways, be careful just taking people's pills and stuff. But anyways, the, the reason I bring that up, really strong dude. It, he reminds me of Ben to a T. Ben was always the last guy off the snap, super slow. But he would get off the snap last, and he'd collide with the guy in front of him and just push him straight back. So there are times where Javon Dexter seems to not even try, and then there are times when he's like, you know what, I'm going to be a freaking bull, and I'm going to just push this guy. So he's laid off the snap, the guard's ready, he's prepared, or the center or whatever. He likes to pick on centers, by the way. That seems to be when he gets most of his pressures. He kind of slides over to the right from, from being head up with the guard and just kind of attacks at an angle at that, that center and just blows him up. But he pushes him straight back. He just has this raw power that even among grown men, he's just stronger than you. So I like those attributes, but it just doesn't feel like something that's going... Like, what is it going to come together as? Is he suddenly going to get really fast? Maybe you can train him to get off the ball. I know they, they do those like you know little drills where they got the ball on a stick or whatever. Maybe that can make you faster off the snap. I don't know. But can you can you train the guy to care more and to, to play faster and do that stuff? on a, I don't know. But I certainly can see his upside, especially in regard to run defense. Because you got a guy that's that strong that is hard to move. Um, I think he can do some stuff. But I, I, I think we'll stick with the, the below average just because I, I, I'm skeptical that it becomes more. What is it with Florida defensive tackles, by the way? They're always really popular, and I never like them. Like, oh, he's an early second guy. I'm like, I don't want him, period. Every time that happens. All right, next up, Mr. Luke Whipler, center out of Ohio State. Again, it was like two days ago, I was watching somebody, and I was like, oh, yeah, but he's going up against this great offensive line. There's this guy, Luke Whipler, he's been there two years, grades out phenomenally. I bet he comes out next year, and he's really high. Turns out, no, he is a got, got a fourth and fifth round grade from Dane Brugler. So he's actually the fourth center behind Ricky Stromberg, who we haven't even talked about yet. So I know PFF loves him, and I know Dane Brugler does not. But Luke Whipler, Ohio State center, six foot two and a half, three oh three, out of Montvale, New Jersey, twenty one point nine years old, has four half siblings, was born and raised in New Jersey, multiple sports as all of them have. Four-star recruit, number two center in the 2022 recruiting class, number two recruit in New Jersey, 5-1-4-40 time, uh, 30.5 vert, broad jump, blah, blah, blah. Nobody cares about centers. Uh, let's see. Overall, Whipler is sawed off and will be force-fed his vegetables as he adapts to NFL power. Did I read that right? Whipler is sawed off and will be force-fed his vegetables. Does that just mean he's not ready for the pros or whatever? I don't, I don't really know. Or is, he, is he calling him fat? I don't know what sawed off means. And I don't know if we're talking about force-fed vegetables, like forced to do things he's never done before, or if we literally mean he needs to eat some vegetables and, and trim up because he's fat. It's 303. He doesn't sound big to me. I don't know. Anyways, uh, as he adapts to NFL power, but his above-average athleticism and hard-working help to a uh, hard... <sighs> Slow down. <laughs> the sentences are so weird. Above-average athleticism and handwork help him stay in position. 
He is ideally suited for a zone team and projects as an NFL backup with potential to be more. Fourth, fifth round. That's interesting. It's weird because that guy the, the Vikings got, granted he's not very good, but he went in the first round. Largely the same thing. Not very strong, but he's got that athleticism. But anyways, uh, basically two years at Ohio State, 79.6 grade and then an 82.4 um, 80.8 run blocking grade, 84.1 pass blocking grade, gave up one sack, zero hits, and seven hurries for eight total pressures, three penalties. He's played all center in his time. Uh, consistency seems completely fine to me. Uh, about half his games are 70s, half of them are 60s, and he has one 57.9 against Michigan. Um, pass blocking is phenomenal. They're all basically 80s with the exception of two 50s against Georgia and Michigan. Run blocking, not quite as good, um, but still relatively consistent, similar to his overall grades, half or 70s, half or 60s. So there you have it. So look, I I, um, I guess you could say I'm somewhat indifferent, maybe, maybe, you know, four out of five or whatever, but I don't understand the dislike of Luke Whipler at all. I, I see, what was the first game I watched? Oh, oh mm, Iowa, I watched, and he was perfectly fine. And they said, well... It's mostly against strong, and, and by the way, he, he went up against, I like to watch the other teams and, and go to their PFF and see who he's actually going up against, see how good they are. He went up against Lucas Van Ness. He, he lined up on the inside, as well as, you know, I think it was number 88, who's a big guy. But I was like, all right, you know what? Let's just go watch him against Georgia. You're not going to find a better defensive line with bigger human beings than that. He had no problem against Georgia. Now, they gave him a 57 pass blocking grade because he gave up uh, his one sack of the season and one additional hurry. But he really did not struggle that much against them. And that includes Jalen Carter. I didn't really see him lose to Jalen Carter. Maybe he did at some point here and there. I saw him put Jalen Carter on his back a couple times. I think he struggled more with Nazir Stackhouse than he did with Jalen Carter. Maybe that speaks more to Carter than, than uh, Whipler. But, but again, we're going to say that this is a fifth-round center that really didn't struggle to stop maybe the best player, supposedly, in this draft. I just don't know if I'm buying that. So I'm, I'm perfectly fine with uh, Luke Whipler. You say, well, we already took the Ohio State center. Like, we've tried that already. Didn't really pan out, assuming we don't like the center we have. When we drafted Josh Myers, I went and looked at his PFF grades. He had a 65 overall grade in 2020, the, the year that we drafted him. He had basically two good games, a 73 grade against FAU, which should not be considered. And then he had an 80-graded uh, game against Michigan, and that's it. The rest are 60s, 50s, and 40s. So as far as PFF is concerned, Luke Whipler is on another level compared to Josh Myers. But yet, Myers was a second-round pick and Whipler's a fifth-round pick. Okay. And as far as being, like, undersized and all that, they're the exact same weight. They're, like, they're both 310. But whatever. Okay, he's a fifth-round pick. Fine. Well, then I guess I love him for a fifth-round value. I, th I don't know that you can beat that. I'll have to ask JJ. Maybe he can illuminate what is wrong with Whipler and why he's not actually that good, because I'm, I'm a little confused by the whole thing. Next up, we have Sidney Brown. He is a safety that, again, uh, Dane Brugler does not like. He's actually the number 10 safety on his list. We've covered, I think, two up to this point. So massive difference between what Dane Brugler thinks and what uh, the rest of America seems to think about Mr. Sidney Brown. But Sidney Brown, uh, safety out of Illinois, 5'10 ish, 211 pounds, so a little bit short, very large though. Uh, from London, Ontario, he is 23.1 years old. Um, he has a sister and an identical twin brother, Chase, born and raised in South Ontario. 
Uh, also grew up with wrestling, boxing, and as a running back. Three-star recruit, uh, number 121 safety in the 2018 class, number 256 recruit in Florida because he had ended up moving. Overall, Brown needs to shore up his tackling skills and discipline for NFL box duties, but he is, an inst- he is instinctive while playing at full speed and leaves everything he has on the field. I love that. His value for an NFL team will be as a core special teamer and rotational sub-package box safety fourth-round grade. Uh, we can start with special teams since he brought it up. He has a 65 special teams grade. He spent five years at Illinois. His 65 grade is the highest he's had, 307 total snaps as a special teamer. Never really blossomed, I guess. He's always in the 60s. Uh, one good game this last year against Virginia where he had his uh, one of his two tackles of the season. Uh, on defense, definitely a late bloomer. How old is he? He's only 23. That's crazy. How are you five years and 23? Anyways... Uh, 54, 43, 52, 65, 78 are his grades. So you can look at that and say it's a fluke, I guess, or that he has finally blossomed. I mean, he did jump from a 52 to a 65 and then a 65 to a 78. But a 67.8 run defense grade, 58.9 tackling grade, 76.6 pass rush grade. He did that 21 times and had five pressures and a sack. And an 89.4 coverage grade. Um, he allowed 342 yards on, uh, 46 targets. He allowed one touchdown, but had six interceptions and six pass breakups. He only had four interceptions in his entire college career prior to, and hadn't had a single interception for the last two years prior to his six. He also only had seven pass breakups prior to this past season when he had six, 49.6 passer rating. Um, as far as the consistency, I don't really see a problem. 60s and 70s, and then he had one really good game against Northwestern, 84.1. Same exact situation with coverage, although he had one bad game against Michigan, 49.8. Otherwise, mostly 70s with some 60s mixed in and won 91.5 again against Northwestern. All right. So I think as a general rule, if you if you tell me that the guy is a core special teamer, I'm going to like him. Uh, also, apparently, I'm a big fan of Illinois DBs because this is two for two. I'm a big fan of Sidney Brown. Um, everything you would expect from a guy who's called a special teamer, he is that guy. The biggest issue is he, he mostly plays in the slot, um, and the problem pretty much with any corner is there, there's really nothing going on. He's not really getting targeted very much. Um, so it's just kind of play after play after play of him doing nothing. But plays some in the box, plays uh, safety. But I just love his energy. I mean, when he's back playing safety, he he looks like a fighter in his corner, just pacing back and forth. Even when he's covering, he's kind of like, yeah, 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 cool, but please run the ball so I can run over there and kill you. So again, it, it's that mentality. Now, there is a difference between wanting to kill somebody and actually being able to do it. He does have a pretty subpar tackling grade which is problematic. He's going to have I mean that's going to have to be something that's coached up because I love the I love the passion, I love the aggression, I love the violence, but if you go running all the way across the field to make a play and miss the tackle, that's not going to be very useful. All right? So he's sort of like the um the anti-Brian Branch. So if you want to know the difference between Clayton and I and our preferences, he wants the guy that can tackle, I want the violence. I think both of us would like both, <laughs> but I lean toward just just having that passion. You know, and then hope, hoping that the, the coaches will teach him better angles, fundamentals, things like that. But I don't know if I mentioned it, uh, 23 years old, 447 speed, which is plenty fine. I like him. I do. Solid four out of five. Next up is another safety, Mr. Jordan Battle. Again, a guy that I thought was going to be maybe the best guy in this entire class, and he has fallen from grace. Dane Brugler has him as the fifth best safety in this class. 
Safety out of Alabama, six foot one, two hundred and nine pounds, out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Twenty-two point three years old, youngest of two boys, born and raised in Broward County. Started uh, running track at age four, football at age six. He was a four-star recruit. Battle was a number two safety in the twenty nineteen class, behind Daxton Hill, who I think went to Michigan. The number six recruit in Florida, and the number forty-three recruit overall nationally. But uh, four five five speed, which obviously is not the greatest. I can't imagine that's the sole reason he drops. But you know, whatever. It's it's okay. Twenty nine and a half vert, nine six broad, four three seven short shuttle, seven three one three cone, seventeen bench press reps. Overall battles tape and skill set screams average. But he is a smart, experienced safety with reliable football character and competitive toughness. He projects as a low ceiling post box starter in the NFL with core special team skills. Dang it, another I'm gonna end up liking the guy again. Third round grade number eighty nine overall. Uh, PFF definitely, uh, seems to like the guy. Um, although his, I don't know how his grades got as high as they did. Pretty inconsistent. But anyways, um, first year at Alabama, not the greatest 66.8. He kind of took over as a full-time starter in 2020 for the next three years. His grades 80.9, 88, and 81.5. So it did dip in 2022, but still relatively high. Um, run defense 72.5, tackling 77.3, coverage is an 85.2, which is solid. Last year, which was the year that he kind of blew up and everybody thought he was going to be great, 88 overall grade, 77 run defense, 85 tackling, and 89.7 coverage. But again, the consistency thing, although he doesn't have a lot of bad games, there's not a lot of high games to justify giving him an 81.5 grade. In fact, he doesn't have a single game in the 80s. Um, he has two in the 50s, and then it's kind of split between, well, it's not really split. There's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight 60s games, and only four games in the 70s. A 78.6 against Vanderbilt is his best game. And, of course, there's a uh, obligatory uh, Austin P game where they blow up, you know, Austin P. Coverage is about the same. He has one game, again, Vanderbilt in the 80s, only two more in the 70s. Uh, actually, that's not true. Three more in the 70s, including a 69.9. I guess we can give him that one as a 70. And then it's all 60s minus a 59.8 against Ole Miss and a 54.1 against Tennessee, which is not terrible. It's just slightly below average, but, you know, whatever. Um, gave up only 133 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and one pass breakup. So the the statistics are not there, which is probably going to annoy a lot of people too. Everybody wants the guy with 900 interceptions and whatnot. You can hear me getting defensive about Jordan Battle. I don't even know why. <laughs> stupid idiots don't like Jordan Battle. You stupid, stupid jerks. I don't even know what he. I haven't even watched him yet. So I, I, I guess I'm somewhat torn on Jordan Battle. And my biggest issue with like most of these safeties is a lack of just want to. He's very content to let everybody else just do all the dirty work. In fact, there are multiple times you'll see a guy get down the sideline, and it's it's really up to him in a corner, and he's jogging. The odds that that corner is going to be able to make a tackle, let's call it 50-50. Why are you jogging? So, of course, the corner doesn't make a tackle, and now Jordan has to kind of speed up and be like, oh, shoot, why are you doing that? Get over there as fast as you can. You play for freaking Alabama, dude. I mean, I can't believe you've got one of the premier players playing at safety, just jogging around the field. I mean, I, I just have to assume this guy's getting absolutely lashed by his coaches. Tongue lashed, that is. Chill. But at the same time, it seems like when he wants to do something, he does it. You know, there's a screen pass, and the guy tries to block him. He pushes right past him like he doesn't exist and makes a tackle. But then he turns around and helps the other player up, which is like, don't, don't do that. You know, like, where, where is this competitive fire and this passion? I'm going to take these guys out. I'm going to light them up. No, he's jogging around the field and helping the other players up off the field. You know, it's just, it, 
That's not it for me. Maybe I get too hung up on this, but that's sort of my thing. I want, especially on defense. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like nasty on the offensive line as well. But I mean, you can get away with a wide receiver just kind of being whatever. As long, I mean, just go do your job. Go, you know, tear it up. Same with tight end. I mean, physicality and, and nastiness is pretty pretty cool. But there are certain positions you can get away with being finesse or whatever. But defense, I don't want that. I don't want guys jogging around. I want more Jairs. I want guys with attitude. Guys that are mean, that are fast, that are violent. Guys that get hyped up. I want this whole defense to start feeding off of each other and get whipped up into a frenzy. And I don't need some guy playing safety, jogging around, not even going to help the corner down the sideline. Just be like, nah, he's got it. So for him, I don't even necessarily understand there's athletic limitations as far as saying he has a low ceiling. I don't necessarily know that's true. I think if he put 100% in, I think he could be solid. I don't know about free safety. You know, if we're talking um, single high, you know, can he get sideline to sideline? I don't really know. But, you know, to be sort of that strong safety, he can cover half the field or quarter of the field, or he can go up in the box while somebody else like Savage with the speed can kind of cover the back end. But in that case, I would need somebody that's got a little bit more thump, special teams linebacker type of mentality. And I don't think he has that. So it becomes sort of a where do you fit? Because he wants to cover. He wants, you know, he doesn't really want to tackle. He, he plays like the free safety, like the cornerbacks. Like, I'll tackle if I have to, but I, I, I want to I drop back and cover. Whereas the last guy we watched, he's like, yeah, yeah, coverage is cool, but I want to go up and smoke somebody. But he's not built that way. He's 6'1", 210, runs 4'5", 5'. He's built to be a hitter, but he wants to cover. So I, it's, just, it's just not a great scenario with battle. But can he be good? I think he could be good. I just don't s- seem like he wants to. Next up, we get another edge rusher by the name of Andre Carter. Um, he has dropped down the boards. I remember he was a s- solid second-round pick for a while. I-, I know I really did not like Andre Carter at all. Um, Dane Brugler agrees. He has him down as the 29th edge rusher. So we've gone through maybe 10-ish edge rushers. He's down at 29. So we should not even be covering this guy, according to Dane Brugler. But here we are. And I know there is a lot of hype for him, at least there used to be. And and that's the reason I watched it. I think I had callers calling. Everybody's freaking out about Andre Carter. It's like, I I really didn't like But we're here, so let's do it. Andre Carter, edge rusher out of Army, six foot six and a half, 256 pounds out of Missouri City, Texas. He is 23 years old, youngest of five siblings, multiple sports through childhood, started football at age six, two-star recruit, wasn't ranked nationally by recruiting services, went overlooked by most FBS programs, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, let's see, 40 time he ran a 4.91 at his pro day. Sounds about right. Uh, 30 vert, 9-1 broad jump, a 4.29 short shuttle at his pro day, and then a 6.973 cone and 11, 11 bench press reps. I know bench press is mostly useless, but this is a big, slow, massive guy. You putting up 11? What are you, a freaking corner? Coming from a guy who could maybe do two. <laughs> Shut up. Not a freaking professional football player, all right? Overall, Carter will require time in an NFL strength program. Yeah, it needs to learn how to deal with extra attention from blockers, but he is an agile athlete with terrific length and effort, which is a great foundation for a developing pass rusher. He has down-the-road potential and will require a patient staff who can mold his game. Army hasn't had a player drafted in top 200 picks in the Super Bowl era. Uh, He is a fifth or sixth round grade. So again, people are still way too high on Andre Carter, even though he's falling. He's fallen from a second round to a third round, and it sounds like he's probably not going to go in the first two days of the draft. We'll see. Some team could fall in love with the guy. As far as uh, the PFFs, he uh, 
basically started his career in year two with Army, 72.8, 83.3, and then back to a 73.3 grade. He didn't play a full season, missed some time. He, he looks like he missed some time in 2020 as well. I don't know if he's got a bunch of injury issues or what. I don't know if he's, has he, what did he, did he play a full season last year? Yeah, he played most of the season in 2021, but missed maybe a game or two. But anyway, 77 overall grade, 72 run defense, 71 tackling, 82 pass rush, 67 coverage, 23 pressures and four sacks on 163 attempts, which is obviously not terrible. As far as that consistency of the 77 overall, it's basically 60s in every game, but 73 against Navy, 78 against UTSA, and then his 180 game, 85.1 was against Air Force. He only had one pressure in that game, but I guess was good otherwise. All right, so I watched his game against UTSA, which is a little bit unfair in his favor. Um, he had four sacks on the season. Three of them came in this game. But look, I mean, he's 6'6", 256. The first thing that stands out is this guy's arms are real thin. So when he said he needs to spend some time in the weight room, that's 100% for sure. He should put on, you know, 15 pounds and be 6'6", 270. He does seem a little bit stiff, not as much as I really remembered. But again, this is the one game where he had the three sacks, so maybe that's sticking out in my mind. But yeah, it is a lot of projection. I mean, what could this guy be if you pack 15 pounds on him and get him in the weight room and have him just pushing people around like a monster? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. But at this particular point in time, especially against such low-level competition, it's just hard to kind of project out. So I don't have an issue necessarily with Andre Carter, but I don't think he's a guy that's necessarily going to play very much. You know, I mean, he'll, he'll be mixed into the rotation, but, you know, he's a step below what Kingsley and Igbare was, and we drafted him, what, in the fifth round? So I don't know. I don't, I don't just, hate the guy as a prospect. I just, you know, I'll call it a two out of five, just below that average three. Next up, we got Tajay Spears, number five running back in this group, another group that is not, um, I mean, we got the two top guys, and then there's Charbonnet and A-Chain that we've already talked about, and now Tajay Spears, so not a lot of them. Second youngest of nine kids, six boys and three go- uh, girls. Uh, by the way, five foot nine and a half, two 201 pounds out of Ponchatoula, Louisiana. Sounds like a city in Louisiana. Ponchatoula. It's one of those things you just kind of, that L just has a gumbo feel to it. Ponchatoula. 21.8 years old. Anyways, uh, born in Hammond, Louisiana. Father introduced him to multiple sports throughout childhood. Gravitated immediately toward running back in football, so he's been doing this a long time. Three-star recruit. Spears was number 88 running back in 2019 class. Number 50 recruit out of Louisiana. Number five running back in Louisiana, had a bunch of offers, et cetera, et cetera. He has 4.52 speed, 39 vert, 10.5 broad, 4.32 short shuttle, 7.273 cone, 18 bench press reps. Again, 11 for a friggin' edge rusher. Overall, Spears doesn't have desired build or run strength, but his explosive reed plant burst action allows him to abruptly change his rush path and elude tacklers. He shows the potential for three down duties, although he would be at his best as part of a committee similar to Buffalo Bills' James Cook. Third round grade number 73 overall. Start off with uh, special teams. He does have some kick return duties, not a ton. Uh, We're talking two kick returns back in 2021, 18.5 yards, so probably not a future there, but he has done it, so worth noting. Uh, PFF absolutely loves the guy. First two years, he didn't do a ton as far as playing running back, but 83 and 90 grade. And then in 2021, he kind of took over, 78.2 grade. And then this past year, which he, 304 snaps, which is more than he had in his last three years, 90.2 grade, 90.6 rushing grade, and a 73 receiving grade. 
He had 251 receiving yards and two touchdowns. To add on to his 1,586 yards, 19 touchdowns, 6.9 yards per attempt. 6.8 is his career average over the course of uh, 568 snaps, 427 attempts. He has almost 3,000 yards. Uh, consistency, not really a problem there. If you, if you just go from best to worst, 92, 82, 80, 80, 80, 75, 74, 74, 70, 69, 68, 64, 63, and then the one bad game against Alcorn State, 53.3 grade. So my opinion on Spears, I, I would say unremarkable would be the best way that I could explain him. I, th- I really like his vision and his patience. There was a couple plays, especially from that ed- end zone angle. It's one of the things I like to do, especially with the Packers, is first of all, watch the offensive line and try to figure out what they're trying to do. And then see if he follows through that. And then if it breaks down, what is your thought process? What are you doing? And there are times, you know, you'll, you'll kind of pause it as you go and you think in your head, although he knows where the hole is supposed to be, where would you go? And there are times when I'm looking saying, I think you got to head over that way. And he pauses just long enough for the guy to actually get the block that he's supposed to get turned. And you think, if I would have gone the way I would have gone, because that's where the hole is right now, this guy would have taken me down. He waited a half a second, the hole opened up, and he burst through it. So again, I'm, I'm completely fine with him, but I think aside from the great vision, everything about him was just adequate. There was no massive explosion out of his brakes, no blazing speed. I didn't see anything necessarily spectacular as far as receiving or route running or any of that kind of stuff. So yeah, in terms of being an adequate running back in a rotation, absolutely. As far as one of those plug-and-play mid-round guys, but that's, that's it. Anywho, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break. Patreon.com. We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones 
by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Next up is a guy I've been very excited to watch, heard a lot about him. That is Mr. Marvin Mims, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Our friend Dane Brugler has him as the ninth best wide receiver. He is five foot eleven ish, hundred and eighty-three pounds out of Frisco, Texas, twenty-one point one years old. Grew up north of Dallas, family originally from Baton Rouge, coached by his father, Marvin Mims Sr. Uh, He used to play for the Frisco Packers, so there you go, undefeated season. Uh, Middle school, he played for the same AAU team as Jackson Smith and Jigba, so they know each other. Four-star recruit, Mims was number 29 receiver in the 2020 recruiting class. Number 26 recruit out of Texas, behind Jackson Smith and Jigba and Quinton Johnston, so there you go. Overall, Mims must prove himself versus press man coverage and expand his route running inventory with improved stem balance and footwork, but his bread and butter will always be his field stretching speed and finishing skills. He will add an explosive element to an NFL offense as a rotational rookie and punt returner. There we go. 438 speed, by the way. Third round, number 76 overall. As a general special teams player, 66.1 grade, so he's not terrible in terms of, you know, punt coverage and whatnot. And he has an 80 PFF grade as a punt returner. He has 11 punt returns, 160 yards, which is a 14.5 average. His longest was 41 yards. Doesn't have any touchdowns, but didn't muff any punts either. Uh, That's about it. But yeah, he's pretty good at that. So there you go. But uh, anyways, as a receiver, Marvin Mims, three years um his first year actually was his best an 88.8 grade 89 receiving grade but then from there 73.5 and 75.5 still solid 77 receiving grades 69 drop grade etc etc consistency is not terrible mostly uh, high 60s 70s 188 against kent state he does have three bad games tcu texas and iowa state in the 50s by the way, I'm completely ashamed of the fact that I forgot that PFF has their own draft guide I could be using. I wanted to find it because I wanted to look at Marvin Mims' route tree, but they don't really have that, I guess. Um, but anyways, also worth noting, buyer beware with this, <laughs> what resources you're using. Um, as I mentioned, he's about 5'11", 183 pounds. I go over to the PFF guide, Marvin Mims, it says six foot three, 200 pounds. So if you look at PFF, they're telling you he is a giant that runs in the 403s, and it's like, heck yeah. In reality, the guy's 5'11", 183. So just a heads up. Anyways, as far as my thoughts, I mean, if he was 6'3 and a little bit stronger, that's cool. But the, the reason I wanted to look up his route tree is because the guy doesn't do anything. He runs go routes and curl routes. <laughs> it's like, am I going to run past you or am I going to pretend to run past you and then stop real quick? Um, he does have that ability to kind of glide past people like Christian Watson does. You know, he's got that actual speed to get behind the defense, but he's really small. I mean, I I saw a situation where a guy just kind of put his hands on him and he just went straight to the ground. Like, dang, dude, he's just trying to knock you off your route and you just went straight to the ground. So I I think it's PFF that said he's going to have to live on the inside as a slot guy. And so, you know, 
Look, if you're looking for a a different Jalen Hyatt, you know, to get that speed, I don't I don't mind it, but I just worry about the limitations. I wanted him to do anything else, you know, but um, I guess it's somewhat incomplete. It, it, again, I'll I'll always go back to Justin Jefferson. Just because he didn't do it doesn't mean he can't do it. I just didn't see the guy do it very much. So it's one of those picks where I'm going to get excited and jump up and down because it's like, dang, dude, good luck stopping that speed. But at the same time, if you're, if you're asking me, would you draft him? Eh, I guess it depends what better options there are at the time and when he's actually going. But I wish PFF was right, man. I wish the guy was six foot three, 200 pounds because it would make the decision a lot easier. But he's not. Next up, we have Nate Dell, Nathaniel Dell, Tank Dell, whatever you want to call him. It's the same guy. I generally refer to him as Nate Dell. I think he goes by Tank Dell. But uh, Nate Dell, Houston, 5'8", 165 from uh, Daytona Beach, Florida, 23 and a half years old. Nathaniel Tank Dell, who is one of three kids, started playing football at age six. Got the name Tank by his uh, from his mom because he had a fat head. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Two-star recruit, Dell was number 421 wide receiver in the 2018 recruiting class, 422nd recruit in Florida. Went widely overlooked as a recruit until he attended a 7-on-7 camp the summer prior to his senior year and received offers from FIU, etc., etc. 449 speed, which is not exactly thrilling when you see a guy that's 5'8", 165, but it is what it is. Didn't do a vert, had a 10-1 broad jump, etc., etc., Overall, Dell's diminutive size, what a word, and below average strength won't be a fit for everyone, but he has quick hands and elite start-stop acceleration to create chunk plays short, intermediate, and deep. He projects as a a dynamic number three or four wide receiver for an NFL offense while also handling punt return duties, third or fourth round grade. I don't know why PFF, they, they must have made this before the combine and just had no idea, so, and or just didn't change it because they got 5'10", 165, and that's, uh, they're giving guys a couple inches here. But as far as PFF grades, 68, 88, and 83. Primarily a slot guy in his career, 1,399 yards. PFF pros and cons, springy athlete who can accelerate almost instantly. Tremendous short area separator and is a legitimate red zone threat. Had a diverse role at Houston, working both inside and out. Tiny for the position. Not a single starting wide receiver under 170 pounds currently in the NFL. Has a bad habit of exaggerating his releases. Slow to get out of his route. Dropped a lot of easy passes on tape. 21 drops on 220 catchable passes the last two years. Consistency as far as his grades are all there, 60s, 70s, and an 80. Punt return grade is a 93.7. Nine returns, 153 yards, 17-yard average, and a touchdown, zero muffed punts. Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm all the way out on Nate Dell here, man. I don't really see, I mean, even the joystick thing, I don't see any joystick ability with Nathaniel Dell, Tank Dell. They had to scheme him open. He didn't beat anybody. I watched him against Rice. It was his best game. I wanted to just see him just beat a guy off the line. They had to scheme him open because as soon as somebody put their hands on him, he couldn't do anything. And he's got 4.49 speed anyway, so even if he does get off the line clean, he can't run open. So I don't really even understand what that joystick ability is necessarily going to do, which he, I don't think he even has. I'm not, I'm, I, just, I, I just thought it was kind of terrible. I mean, he had 135 yards and a touchdown. He beat a guy down the sideline, but he beat him with just straight speed. I'm sorry. In the NFL, it's, it's not Rice University. 4.49 speed is not going to beat somebody straight down, you know, especially somebody with like 15 yards of cushion and you get behind them. Congratulations, you can do that against Rice. You can't do that here. 
I just, I don't know. I didn't really see anything that I thought was uh, redeemable for a guy that's 5'8", 165. No, no chance in the world. So, sorry. No, not, not a Tank Dell guy at all. Then we get to edge rusher Zach Harrison. Um, he is listed as the number 13 edge rusher via Dane Brugler. Edge rusher out of Ohio State, 6'5 and a half, 274, out of Lewis Center, Ohio. He is 21.7 years old. Zachary Zach Harrison, who has an older sister, was born in South Chicago before being moved to uh, whatever when he was four. He is an avid Chicago Bears fan, so screw this guy. Five-star recruit, Harrison was the number two strong side defensive end in 2019 recruiting class, number one recruit out of Ohio, number 12 recruit nationally. Thanks to his size and speed, he received scholarship offers from national powers like Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Notre Dame, and USC. Ended up going to Ohio State, obviously. Uh, didn't do any 40 testing, but 34.5 vert, 10-3 broad, 4-6-6 short shuttle, 7-3-3-3 cone, 25 reps on the bench. Guy has some pretty long arms at 36.25 inches. Overall, Harrison's pass rush construction and edge setting execution are works in progress, but he is a remarkable linear athlete with elite length, upfield quickness, and the ability to affect the game in different ways. He can play defensive end in even or odd fronts and projects as a key member of an NFL defensive line rotation. Looking at PFF, four years at Ohio State, first two years didn't play a ton, but 70 and 88.8 grades. 2021, he started to take a more prominent role. He had an 81.7 grade, and then this past year, 86.1, 78 run defense, 73 tackling, 85.3 pass rush. He had 33 pressures and six sacks on 255 attempts. As far as the consistency, it isn't terrible, but it is mostly 60s. At least half of it is only one bad game against Michigan State. But he had one nearly perfect game against Iowa, 98.6. That's probably the highest grade I've seen doing this entire thing. As as far as single season, he had a 96.5 pass rush grade, um, five pressures and a sack on uh, eight attempts. <laughs> what? Why did he only rush the passer eight times? That's kind of crazy. As far as my thoughts, I think, um, I mean, if we're talking kind of late round, rotational guy, okay, fine. Definitely not a very big Zach Harrison fan, though. Um, he just, I mean, and, and the game I watched was his uh fifth best game i guess against maryland um five pressures two sacks is one of his best statistical games maybe was his best statistical game but i mean just watching him it doesn't look clean it looks kind of clumsy he looks extremely stiff and just very unrefined but then you know you see that one play where he just gets in the guy's chest and bull rushes him straight back into the quarterback and it's like oh cool yeah nice but on a play-to-play basis it's just kind of it just looks clunky to me his movement abilities are very, you know, Frankenstein-ish. So, yeah, I mean, you want to take a late-round swing, fine. But there's so much talent at edge. I feel like we should satisfy whatever needs we have before we get to this level. You know what I mean? Just a thought. Anyways, we got one more safety, one more prospect. Uh, as I said, another safety. Number eight safety on Dane Brugler's list. It is Jamie Robinson, not Jammy, although it does look like Jammy, and I probably will just keep calling him Jammy. Jamie Robinson, J-A-M-M-I-E, five brothers, five foot ten and a half, 191 pounds out of Cordell, Georgia, 22.2 years old, started playing football at five years old, three-star recruit, 32nd safety, 41st recruit in Georgia. Overall, Robinson is a small frame defensive back and labors at times when asked to run vertically, 
but he plays with the natural instincts and urgent read-react quickness desired for nickel position. He is not on the same level as Jalen Petrie as an NFL prospect, but has a similar skill set, third or fourth round grade. PFF's um, player comp is Quandre Diggs. Measurables are not fantastic. In fact, they're quite terrible. 4-5-9, 40-yard dash time. The only thing he really excelled at was his bench press. Everything else was pretty awful, like 15th percentile bad. As far as the PFF grades, um, South Carolina for two years, 70 and 61. Then Florida State for two years, 73, and then this year, 80. Phenomenal tackler, though. 90, 78, 86, and 88 are his tackling grades. Uh, this year he had an 80 run defense grade, 88 tackling, 70-ish pass rush, and 78 coverage grade, which is all obviously phenomenal. As far as his consistency, he had two really bad games against LSU and Florida, both in the 40s. Otherwise, he had uh, four games in the 60s, and then it was 70s, and then one game against a team I have, or a school I've never heard of, DeQuesney, 84.5 grade. So, yeah, he killed DeQuesney. Well done. Also has a 65.5 special teams grade. Yeah, kind of weird with uh, Jamie Robinson. I, I, I kind of want to like him. The way he just launches at things at 110 miles, he has these perfectly timed blitzes from deep. He'll, he'll shoot after people, but he always gears down. Right? He'll blitz, and then when he gets to the line of scrimmage, he'll stop and try to get all like fancy rather than some of these like special teamers. That'll just blast into an offensive lineman at 110 miles an hour. He does that same thing that a lot of these other guys do where, you know, he'll fly as fast as he can to the sideline, but then just kind of like start jogging a little bit like, yeah, somebody else will get him. It's fine. It's fine. Like, dude, get in there and smash him. So when you when you take that on top of the really bad metrics, you know, I just I don't think it's going to work as a later round prospect. I don't have any issue with it. I shouldn't say I don't have any issue with it. I, I don't think it'll materialize into much, but. We need safeties, and he would be a guy. You know, at, at the very least, he's generally a good tackler. Although you, you've got, you know, either he's a really good tackler or he's not. This is one of the few where he wasn't. Uh, it was actually, is this the Boston College game I'm watching? Yeah, it was the, his worst tackling. It was the first time I saw him go to tackle somebody. He completely whiffed. I'm like, what the heck is that? So, I mean, yeah, it's like he's pretending to be that violent safety that I want him to be, but then he just doesn't finish. So, I can't get into it. And again, if you look at, I mean, if you're going to play that way, you got to cover. And again, at 5'11", 191, 4'6", speed, what are you going to cover in the NFL? Can't put you in the box because you don't want to hit. I can't put you a single high because you're, you know, people are going to fly right by you. So I just don't see where it fits. All right, we do have a little bit of time. First of all, I'd made a comment, I think Packernet After Dark, I'm not sure, about um, how most people assume that this is all going to end. And that most people think it's going to be to the Jets. And I'd be shocked if 5% of fans think that Rodgers is going to remain a Packer. Well, apparently I was wrong. 8.9% of Packer fans think he's staying. Or, or of people, I should say. It's not specifically Packer fans. Which maybe could account for the disparity there. Disparity between my reality and uh, the actual reality. Which, of course, mine is more important. By the way, since my wife just walked in with the package, I just want to say a special shout-out to Omar the Firefighter. I got your package full of uh, horror movies, and it just hit me right now what I should do is uh, we just got a new TV for the basement, put the kids to bed, come downstairs, pop in some movies, get some chips and salsa going or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, man. Yeah. But thank you, man. I appreciate that, and I will get to work. By the way, the full uh, poll, 8.9% say Rodgers will be a Packer, 116 say Rodgers will go to another team. 13.6 say Rodgers is going to retire. 65.9% think he's going to be a Jet. 
But all right, let's do something we don't usually do real quick just to fill in um, at the end here. Because we've been kind of going through this a little bit, we can only probably get through about two or three rounds before I run out of prospects. But let's try a couple mock drafts and just see how it pans out. So I'm going to go over to Pro Football Network just because that's the first one that popped up when I Googled it. I'll be honest, man, this first round's probably going to be the toughest, and it's going to be the most scrutinized, so I feel a lot of anxiety doing a podcast about it, because no matter what it is, everyone's going to be disappointed. Um, the Bucks want to trade. I don't really want to do a trade. It's just going to overly complicate things. So Jackson Smith and Jigba is still here. Peter Skaronsky is here. Jordan Addison, Lucas Van Ness, Joey Porter. Um, I'm, I, I am tempted to trade out of this spot. I understand Jackson Smith and Jigba is still sitting here. I don't think that that's a terrible option. The the thing that's weighing on me, having gone through this, I know there's a lot of edge rushers. So I'm not interested in Lucas Van Ness, especially since I'm not the biggest fan of Lucas Van Ness to begin with. There are not a massive amount of wide receivers that I'm a huge fan of, and we need wide receiver help. Peter Skaronsky is not a terrible option at all. But there are a lot of other offensive linemen that I am okay with. So I really think, I'm, I, I don't want to do like the, the cool thing just because it's the cool thing to do. But just based on what we've gone through so far and how many different prospects from different positions we've seen, I think wide receiver is pretty thin. Depending on who you like or whatever, I don't like a lot of the wide receivers. And even the ones that are okay, there are a lot of flags in terms of size and everything else. So... um I think I'm going to take Jackson Smith and Jigba in the first round. This, by the way, no Aaron Rodgers trade. We can play with that in a little bit. Apparently, I, pl- I picked the uh, slowest of all time. Ooh, the tackles are not coming off. Oh, there goes Anton Harris. There goes Uzama. There goes Tony. There goes Darnell Wright. Oh, man, just one, two, three, four down the line. Oh, and Will McDonald just went. Good Lord, man. However, guess who's sitting at the top? Darnell Washington, brother. Darnell Washington. I think I have to do it, don't I? Mozzie Smith, I'm not a big fan of. John Michael Schmidt is fine. Um, trying to remember. I do like Cedric Tillman, but we already took a wide receiver. Uh, don't want a linebacker. Not a fan of Javon Dexter. Don't want Luke Musgrave. Thule, no. Yeah, I think I think that's our play right here. I do like Mr. Cody Mock. Mauk? I forget how you say his name. But, I mean, this is kind of a no-brainer for me. We're going Darnell Washington right off the top. Again, I'm doing like the... The cool thing. I'm not trying to. It just it makes the most sense based on where we're sitting here. And I'm using their big board. It might be different for me, and I'm just not looking at some of these guys. But we'll see what we got and how far we can go into this before I forget. I'll have to go back to my notes and see who I liked and who I didn't, I guess. Um, what do we got? Cody's still there. We got Hendon Hooker, if anybody wants it. We're in the third round. Coming up, coming up, coming up. Cody's still there. Oh, please. One more pick. One more pick. He made it. All right, so now we got to think because... I'm sure some good edge rushers, as much as I've been excited about the edge rushers, I'm guessing some of them are starting to go. I do like Cody a lot as an offensive lineman. I think all the edge rushers I liked are gone. I'm sure there's more, but I can't remember who I liked here. Well, that sucks. <laughs> I do like Cody, man. Joe Tipman out of Wisconsin is solid on the interior. Oh, Sam Laporta. Oh, dang! Sam Laporta in the third round? If I'd have known that, I wouldn't have taken... Uh, I mean, I, I, I could have, but... Is that too stupid to take Sam Laporta? I think it is too stupid. Were there any safeties I liked? I'm sure there were. I know I like Christopher Smith, but we haven't watched him yet. What did I say about... I don't... Not a big fan of Jamie Brown, right? We just watched him. Jordan Battle is a no thank you, but we might have to do something here. Yeah, who cares? I'm going Cody. Because I like him. I'm just picking the guys I like. 
Dude, if Sam Laporta is still there in the fourth round, I am freaking taking him so fast. Hang in there, Sam. Hang in there, Sam. A.T. Perry's there, too. We haven't watched him yet, but I know he's very popular among Packers fans. Hang in there, Sam! Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Come on, Sammy, baby. Come on. He's still making 109. He's number 88 overall. Make it to me now. Oh, he just went to the stupid freaking Jets, you jagwads. Who else is left that we've watched? we got A-Chain there at the top. That might be it. Oh, Tajay Spears. Haven't watched Schoonmaker yet. Nate Dell is there. I don't like him. I guess we'll just pick A-Chain and then just be done with the draft. So there you go. All offense. <laughs> the other thing I know about Pro Football Network is they will allow me to trade pick 13. You can say it's not going to happen. I don't care. Let's have some fun. I'm taking just pick 13. Let's see what happens. Oh, man. Witherspoon is still there. Do you... So here's the thing. Can we take Witherspoon? you think Jackson Smith and Jigbill still be there? It's just the Patriots in between us. I don't know. What do the Patriots need? I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. See what happens. Don't do it. He's still there. They took Lucas Van Ness. Dang, son. Get out of here with your stupid trades. I don't want it. Jackson Smith and Jigba and Devin Witherspoon with 13 and 15. Life is good, ladies and gentlemen. Life is good. I think this time around we're going a little bit of defense. Well, we already have defense, but I don't care. We're going Felix and Yudike Uzama. Because I can, because I want to. And looky, looky who's sitting there, Mr. Sam Laporta. And I think that's it as far as people that we've looked at. I think what I got to do is figure out what would be, without actually doing a simulator, just look at my favorite guys and say what would be the best possible draft scenario. I don't have it, but I'm going to work on it. Anyways, not a massive amount of uh, news going on. We do have some of the players reporting back. Jordan Love is in the house putting in that work. Yash Nyman is officially back with the team, which is great. I mean, it's nice to start seeing some of these things as the draft gets a little bit closer, start to solidify some of these things between Zach Tom and Yash Nyman. Not saying we won't need better players there, but it certainly isn't a need. We can play with what we have. And so I think at this point, from my perspective, the um, fear points are safety wide receiver, probably in terms of like we're, we're pretty desperate. I know we had talked. I had talked with uh, JJ about it on uh, on his podcast. As far as the Packers are probably comfortable with safety, and and I don't mean in terms of like they think we don't need anything, but in terms of it's not catastrophic if we don't do anything. And I think that might be fair, but it's still, in my opinion, a, a pretty big pain point in terms of we kind of still have to do something. But wide receiver certainly is just just from a standpoint of we don't have enough bodies. And so it would be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if they start adding somebody or something. But who knows what they're actually going to do before this Aaron Rodgers trade thing happens because what options do we have? But, anyways, we're one day closer to the draft, ladies and gentlemen. Very excited about all that good stuff. Don't have plans because I do everything last minute, but you know, it is what it is, man. I'm just living life one second at a time. I'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. You guys have a good rest of your day. I'll talk to you later. Bye bye.